We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir? Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not right now. No, it's not fun anymore, not even a little bit. Just look at that, he hit the fall. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah, I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. Brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Bandujo. On today's episode, we're talking Bend It Like Beckham. This movie is as good as it is important. It's like truly an excellent soccer movie. It's a smash hit. Had a great time talking about it. Would highly encourage anyone who has not revisited this movie in a while, like me, when I when I did my rewatch, uh, go revisit it. This movie hits. The great Haley O'Shaughnessy returns to the show. She's the co-host of the Spencer's Basketball Podcast here on the Blue Wire Network. Had her on a few months ago. Uh, back for She's the Man. We're also joined by Shireen Ahmed. She is the the easy MVP of this episode. Shireen co-hosts the Burn It All Down Feminist Sports Podcast and is a senior contributor with CBC Sports, but also probably knows more about Bennett Like Beckham than anyone on the planet outside the director. They were Haley and Shireen were both great. It was a great time chopping it up with them. Um, as always, want to shout out our Patreon group for supporting the show, especially our big chill producer-level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Brian Yeager, Mike Dries, James Koluski, Chris Mykoski, Andrew Teagle, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Jason Alba, and Classic Stadium Fire. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash bigscreensports. You get to vote on movies for the show to cover. we got a pull-up now for a September movie. National Treasure is about to lock that one up, but uh, month of September is about to start. Patreon is going to get two choices to vote on movies for October. You get schedule updates, you get ad-free episodes, and merch all while supporting the show. And if you want to support the show for free, tell a friend. Tell a friend who likes sports movies or movies in general. So as I said, we're talking Bennett like Beckham today. One more note in the show, we mentioned Sharina interview with the movie's director, Gurinder Chata. That is linked in the show notes. Definitely go check that out. With that said, let's talk Bennett like Beckham. What family will want a daughter-in-law who can run around kicking football all day but can't make round chapatis? Now exams are over, I want you to learn full Punjabi dinner. Meet 
and vegetarian. But Dad, Dad, the touchy. No, this is where you spoil her. No, this is how it started with your niece. The way that girl would answer back. And then running off to become a model wearing small, small skirts. Mom, she's a fashion designer. She's divorced, that's what she is. All right, joining us tonight, returning to the show, she is the co-host of Spencer's on the Blue Wire Network mm -hmm. and the world's best dad. It's Haley O'Shaughnessy. And joining us for the first time, she is the co-creator and host of the Burn It All Down podcast. Also here on Blue Wire, multi-platform contributor with CBC Sports, and most importantly, a bendit like Beckham scholar, Shireen Ahmed. Ladies, thank you so much for joining Big Screen Sports. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Haley, why don't you kick off? Where can the folks follow you? Catch your work. What do you have upcoming? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Haley O something. Um, no eyes or extra Y's in Haley like God intended. Um, and you can, uh, please listen to spinsters, which is a basketball show. And Shireen, where can the folks follow you? I live on Twitter. So it's underscore uh, at what is first. I don't even know at underscore Shireen Ahmed underscore. Um, and burn it all down is my professional passion. It's our podcast. And I am making people mad as a columnist at CBC sports. So I do that weekly and I have a really fun online newsletter on Fridays that's called Joy Drop. So I gather all the things that have made me really happy in the week and I get to put them together in an online little notebook entry. And it's really fun. I piss people off on Monday and I make them happy on Friday. That is that is a fantastic way to go about things. Uh, all those all those links to follow them will be in the show notes. And, and like I said earlier, very important that Shereen is a Bend It Like Beckham scholar because we are talking about Bend It Like Beckham, the 2002 soccer comedic drama. It's a 20 year anniversary. A couple months it came out in April of 2002. Uh, this I I always I just copy and paste the IMDb plot summary. This is one of the lazier ones. Two ambitious girls, despite their parents' wishes, have their hearts set on careers in professional soccer. That's it. That's uh, it. Some, okay. someone, <laughs> someone didn't see the movie. Uh, starred Parminder Nagra, Kira Knightley, Archie Punjab, and Jonathan Reese Myers, directed by Gurinder Chadha. It got an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, grossed $76.6 million on a budget of just $5.6 million, introduced a lot of Americans, like me, to the name Beckham, the name David Beckham. Um, this is a broad question. I actually didn't inter I, I didn't have this on the run sheet, but I was, I was watching this with my wife last night, thinking about the movie because of the representation, the sport it betrays, the timing, uh, something that Haley and I talked about when we talked about She's the Man, in that there's not many uh, female forward sports movies. Shireen, and I, I think you're probably biased in me asking this. Can you make an argument that this is one of the most important sports movies ever made? I think it's the most important sports movie of all time, to be quite honest with you. And I say this from a perspective of not only the filmmaking being authentic, it was a South Asian woman as a director and filmmaker and a co-writer, rather. It was written with uh, two other women, uh, sorry, one other woman, her friend, and then her husband. So and, and the story behind Beckham is actually really funny because in the U.S. when it was pitched, nobody knew who Beckham was. And they were like, who is that person? And no, Beckham really took off when he started to play for LA Galaxy. So before that, people had no idea about his storied career with, you know, with England or with Manchester United. So, but the, the way that it tells the story and the way that it authentically deals with not only interracial relationships, socioeconomic strata, immigrant you know, history, it deals with all those things in a very profound way. It also, you know, is the only movie to be translated 
into every possible language for distribution in the world. And these are little bits of trivia I found out when I interviewed Gurinder Jadha herself, and which was like, I cried. I'm not going to lie. I was being all composed. And I was like, oh, my God, I. Um, but also as somebody, um, the movie changed my life. I had never seen myself represented on screen. It's one thing to see like Latina actresses or black actresses, but like I'm South Asian and we're not like notable in the cinematic universe to, to be particularly in the Western world. So I think it's a commentary on sports on women's sports in particular. It's a commentary on communities and marginalized communities within sport. And it's a commentary on what that women deserve better period. So all those things, I find me a better movie essentially. It's a really good movie. And for the industry itself, it also, it's kind of, you kind of lump it in the same way that we're seeing with like the success of the WNBA and stuff like that. Like this is a, uh, a women, woman driven sports movie that performed really well commercially, which is, which is important. It, it lets more stuff like this get made. There's not as much of this stuff that is getting made as there, as there should be even in the 20 years since Bennett, like Beckham, I, Haley, I kick it to you. Where does this movie rank among, you know, female led sports movies? Like I, you know, when in, when it did the list, there's still not a ton. I always, I go back to a league of their own. We actually just had a series of that drop. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's one of my favorites. We talked about, she's the man. I think of love and basketball is more female driven. I think she's the more engaging character. Um, you know, you've got bring it on, you got whip it. It's, it's still kind of empty slate. Where does Bennett like Beckham rank? Um, well, if you're listening to this, I'm starting at the bottom with my notches. Okay. And I'm working my way up. You've got for me, I don't count love and basketball. I guess it, it makes total sense too. I'm not saying you can't, I just never thought of it that way. Double teamed is my, um, lowest rung on the, you know, list of top, whatever. Um, that is the decom movie, right? The Disney Channel yes. original movie, yes. Double Teamed. I yes, covered that on Decom December a couple years oh, ago. Oh, God. Yeah. What, a, what a film, honestly. What a film. I <laughs> love that movie so much. So you've got Double Teamed. Just above it, you've got Blue Crush. Um, very important for uh, girls my age. Um, that was, yeah, very iconic movie for uh, people growing up in Indiana. Um, huge surf dreams, obviously. I would put Stick It just above that, the gymnastics movie. Huge bra moment there. So I think that also where these movies are influential is that I love when you can tell that there's been a woman in production, not always as a you know director or writer, but the bra thing, I knew that a woman came up with that. So Stick It was important. Um, Million Dollar Baby, a little bit too sad for me. Always scared me. I think I watched that one too young. Um, then we've got, well, actually I'm going to put, she's the man somewhere in sandwiched between those two. Although it's personally one of my favorites, it's not probably as good as, um, what's coming next, which is a league of their own. And then you've got, unless I'm missing anything else, you've got bend it like Beckham for me, the top one, but I think because of all the things Shireen said and some other things we'll probably talk about additionally, truly the greatest female-led sports movie of all time and definitely holds a place in my top five, probably top three, um, just like movies altogether. It's really excellent. And like, I'll admit, I hadn't revisited it in years, probably since my teens. I saw, I saw it and rewatching it, like watching it last night with my wife, like 
midway through we're like this movie is excellent it's it's paced so well like it it packs in a ton in less than two hours and i say this all the time for someone who has to rewatch a movie for a podcast every single week anything that's under two hours is like chef's kiss like let's, <laughs> yeah. time, time management let's let's be efficient with with our editing and and there it is um it it for me and i i don't think i need to ask you to this question but like for me it's a hall of famer like it's for the importance and just the even setting aside like the the importance of the representation it being female driven it's really good it's it's legitimately funny it's got really great sports action they did a good job to take care with the soccer um cast cast a bunch of athletes around the leads with athletes um it's it's got an engaging plot it's uh, a family drama i mean it the something that that stays consistent among all culture cultures is parents are really frustrating and uh <laughs> i think i think that that really holds up true in this one so i like i deeply enjoyed my rewatch it's a hall of famer for me i went and gave it four and a half stars at letterbox earlier the just the greatest app if you're a complete nerd um yeah i really enjoyed the rewatch i i want to run into the imdb trivia but I, I think like Shireen is a better source of the trivia than IMDb. So if you want to, if you want to run into uh, the first thing I pulled, the the story that you told about uh, the the Jess's leg scar actually being worked into the movie. Yeah, and I mean, if anyone's interested, I actually did this with Grand Thread, and you can go back to it's a special episode on Burn It All Down. Um, it, it was 2019, so it's a long time ago. So if you want to go listen to it, and I literally dubbed it, you know, Grand Thread has spells the chai on the movie which was Cute. very witty <laughs> and very apt and um we had quite a moment and um because she was expecting me to be a white guy because she was told it was a sports podcast so she was in toronto for mm. the musical that was premiering here and i she walked in and she goes you're asian and it's the first thing she said to me <laughs> and um i think it's it, also linguistically there's a bit of culturally there's a difference because in the uk asian refers to south asian whereas in north america the you know sort of colloquial language asian refers to east asian so that's what she meant mm. and then later she said to me if i knew you were asian i would have given you a grocery list of food to bring me because like you know seasoned food is what i and i was like yeah yeah you know we'll do all that but it was one of the things that she said in there and she really was relaxed is uh, when she was telling me the story um and she still speaks about this film with a lot of joy and marvel and because because of the way that it has the characters and their stories have hit and impacted so many communities so the story about jess more specifically um because i will digress constantly is um we think like Kyle, as you were saying, that it was paced very well. But a lot of those moments are like, you know, it's it, it's just, it's like Providence, the way things come together when you're prepping for the movie and you're, you know, you're interviewing people, auditioning people rather. And Jess, you know, she loves Praminder Nagra and she knew of her work and she tried to cast locally people who were in the, in you know, around in England and were available and you know, since then, Archie Punjabi's career soared. She was in, you know, U.S. dramas and stuff like that. And Praminder Nagra, she knew she wanted as the lead. Um, and her people, uh, Praminder's people reached out to Grinderji. And she said, they said that she, we just wanted to let you know that she actually has an injury that has left a scar. So Grinder's like, I want to see it. <laughs> so she went to the office and she showed it to her and she's like tell me about this and that's exactly what happened is she was making beans on toast and then Gurinder's like I'm gonna we're gonna write this in to the film is that okay with you and she's like yes 
I'm not ashamed of it. And one of the things that that ties into when you speak to anyone or a group of any women with from the South Asian diaspora is that there's a lot of body shame. So a scar like that would, you know, sort of look so in the movie, when her mother, Mrs. Bamra is like, which means, oh, God, everyone, you're showing the world your scar. It should be something shameful. But at the same time, Gurinderji and, and her, the movie are pushing back at taboos. They're pushing back at, you know, expectations that are made of, of girls to conform and to do these things. So in a way, it's it's broadly a feminist film. It's not broad. It is very much so. But the way that those things happen. And I mean, I love this trivia. I'm a big nerd and I'm a self-professed Bendit like Beckham scholar. I wasn't actually awarded a PhD in this, although I intend to be one day. I mean, you're, you're bringing, <laughs> you're bringing all the PhD knowledge here, but like that, that bit right there leads it not to step on best scenes, but that is one of my favorite scenes when, when she and Joe are talking about scars and I have some words about the job that Joe's doctor did on his oh, knee because oh, my, my God. Um, th- so this piece of trivia, I do know that, that any, it, IMDb is kind of like Wikipedia. Anyone can edit it, but this is interesting <laughs> because if true, it's it's a really interesting wrinkle. The chauffeur driver of the Rolls Royce in the wedding scene was not an actor, but an actual chauffeur and was unaware he was in a film. He believed instead there was simply a wedding with a lot of cameras. It was only discovered he was in the film when, to their surprise, one of his relatives saw him in the background. That is only really notable because if it is true, then that guy thought he was driving at a wedding where a random person's mom came up, yelled at the sister of the bride, called her a lesbian, and then they got in the car, the, the bride and the sister got in the car he was driving and talk about it. That was that guy's most bonkers day of work ever, if he truly believed that. But wait, that how crazy. many Indian weddings have you been to, Kyle? Because that's like normal practice. <laughs> is, is, that, <laughs> is that normal So practice? I have been to zero, and we were watching the, the movie last night where that wedding looks like a fucking banger. Like, I understand that, that Jess wants to go to her game, but missing out on that wedding was a, was a true disappointment. Okay, so wow. it, it's not often that a white woman would come and accuse you of being a lesbian. That's a bit far-fetched, but the colors in the camera. I mean, when my kids get married, I'll invite you both because, I mean, my day's come and gone. So, um, but it, it, they are. They're bangers. They're so much fun. The joy, the dancing, all that you see is legitimate. 100% legitimate. It, it, it looks like the best time. It is. And like the food looks great. Multi-tiered cake. Like it was a very ornate cake. And <laughs> so I'm, extra. I'm everyone in weddings. Like no one eats the cake. I eat the cake. I always eat the cake. I usually eat at least two pieces of the cake. If you're going to have a multi-tiered cake at your wedding, folks, invite me to your wedding. I will eat it. I'll make you feel wow. glad that you spent that money. I'm just, I had a teammate in college who his wedding had a dessert buffet and no one ate it except me who went twice. So I'm <laughs> a great wedding guest if you want your dessert eaten. Um, the last thing, the, uh, and you, and you, you kind of touched on it, but about Beckham not being, the, you know, David Beckham, the term bend, they were well known in the UK, not as well known in the stateside. 20th Century Fox marketing executives suggested changing the title to Move It Like Mia alluding to Mia Hamm. Mia Hamm was very, very famous at that time. Uh, and the direct director objected to the name change. The film was released with its original title. I think, I think the right move, uh, it's just, it's catchy. I, I can't imagine this name not being, this movie not being called Bennett like Beckham. Although Mia Hamm was insanely famous at that time. She was, but she wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have worked in England at the time. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and the, the other thing is, it's important to note, this is a very time specific movie where right now women's football in Europe is killing it. 
where 20 years ago that was not the case. So footballers presumably had to come to the United States and NCAA was sort of shot. And then, you know, what was what now the league back then had folded and now it was reborn as NWSL, you know, so many years ago. But um, the, the name of the movie that she told me it was supposed to be released at in the United States was not about Mia Hamm. I can't remember me for that. I'll go through the transcript and it'll come to me. It's in the transcript. Oh, that's fascinating. Or we can send the listeners to your episode. Yeah, we could do that. The transcript is there. But that's not the name of the movie. And the funny thing she did tell me was the movie was essentially because her writing partner loved loved Manchester United in that era. But she was in love with Ryan Giggs. She loved Giggsy, who was a famous Mm. player. But it wouldn't like get it like Giggsy. Like that that wouldn't have. So bend it like Beckham was because... Gurinder G, uh, and I'll explain why I'm calling her Gurinder G. G is like a form of respect that you address someone who's older than you, and she's like an older sister. So I would never just call her by her first name in her culture. That's not done, which is why I call her G at the end. Um, so Gurinder G was like, she figured Bex would be more marketable because he was already an icon for gay men and fashionistas all over the world. And he would, he would be more, because Ryan Giggs, if you see him, he's not going to wear a sarong and have a man bun. It's just not going to happen. He's not going to look like David Beckham. No, he's not. Like you, like if you know Ryan Giggs, you're just like, oh, God, no. So he's a great player. And her, her writing partner was like, yeah, I love him. He's my favorite player. And she's like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll use Bex. And it ended up working. I was going to say, like, the whole thing that Shireen um, has touched on making the film so wonderful was the authenticity. Going with Beckham just globally and I think like what poster would she have really had in her room it would have been David Beckham and also it's not just the most marketable player it's the most marketable move it's a happy accident that it's alliteration it makes for a great title but like him bending the ball was very much something that I was aware of as a 10 year old in the U.S. you know what I mean so that's I mean both of them were extremely the play to make the title. And then it gives us our Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV meme when she bends it at the end. It's like, oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so best time and worst time. So this is a recent, Haley, we didn't have this last time you were on the show. This is something that kind of evolved naturally a couple weeks ago when uh, we covered speed on the pod, trying to decide which which character over the course of that day had the, the best time and which had the worst time. So I was trying to, I was trying to kind of parse this out because this movie is, is set over a long time. It's not just set over it a day in, in Los Angeles. Haley, is there someone who jumps out? Is this character had a great time over the course of the movie or this character had a, had a bad time over the course of the movie? I think the bad time, I, the good time was harder than the bad time. The bad time for me was Jess's mom, um, just because she doesn't really understand what her one daughter is doing and why um, she wants to betray her. You know, like kind of, you can tell that that's how she feels. Like, why are you making it so difficult? Um, in Jess wanting to play soccer and the other one then had her wedding called off and it was obviously such a huge embarrassment to her so I felt like she probably had the worst time Um, and you know she also expressed that she you both lied to me and even though they had you know intentions that I don't think were horrible you lying to your mom still is bad Um, and then for best time I think it was actually coach Joe I was wondering if it was um, not Jess. What's the other character? Jules. I'm blanking on her name. Jules. Jules's dad, but I don't think it is. 
I because he was having to navigate a difficult relationship between his wife and his kid. Um, but I actually think it was Coach Joe, and I'll tell you why. Even though he has a strained look, he either has an angelic look on his face mm. or he's strained. He has a strained look on his face about 50% of the time, but I think Coach Joe ultimately had the best time because his team gets exponentially better from a random recruit that was found in a park, <laughs> right? Has never played organized soccer, does not own cleats, yet changes the trajectory of his team, gets them into the tournament, and they win. Um, and two gorgeous women fancy him, as they would say in England. Um, so that's not bad. He got to go on a weekend trip to Germany. That's also not bad. And he um, learns ultimately the most important lesson of all, which is that coaching women's soccer is just as, if not more rewarding than coaching the men's team. So I think it's good show. I can't argue with that at all. Shereen, did you have any differences for best time and worst time? Um, so for worst time, I'm actually going to mirror Haley and say Paula Paxton, Jules's mom. She was mm. distraught. Like she's trying to get her little poppet into a bra and she just, oh, not the sports bras. They're so boring. Like, you know, she's like, <laughs> why can't her daughter wear floral prints? And she has one child. She's distraught. Then she, you know, thinks she overhears and misunderstands and thinks her child um, is it's a bit of a wild ride because she thinks her daughter's a lesbian. And then she's like, well, wait a minute, maybe I can get a football magazine and show her that there are players who are teachers and married with a baby. And you hear her. There's a reason why Sporty Spice is the only one without a fella. Like, that's not what she wants. She doesn't like, unlike Mr. Paxton, she does not want athletic glory. It means nothing to her. So this is completely out of her realm of understanding and being able to embrace. We see some shifts in the end, but she really goes through an emotional roller coaster here. I mean, she's just, this is completely out of her realm of being able to just, she can't relate to her daughter at all. And this makes it worse. And I think it deepens the cleavage between them, which is, you know, pun intended. Um, so, I mean, there's that. But for best time, I'm actually going to go on a little bit of a hot take here because I really like Haley's uh, coach show. I'm going to say Tony. So Tony... Mm is the best friend. He Tony's a stand-up guy. He's a stand-up like guy. He's an incredible friend. He encourages his bestie to go for it. He's always encouraging her. He goes to the games. He brings up the other the other blokes to like, you know, as they make comments and he shuts them up, but he truly enjoys the sport. He enjoys watching his friend thrive. And it's there's something so endearing about Tony that like he's just a wonderful character, but along the way Tony has an opportunity and he comes out to just something that he's been holding in. So that immense amount of relief for him, arguably, to say there's somebody from my community whom I love, who's chosen family, who loves and accepts me. I can't even like, yeah, I can't even quantify how great that would have been for him. And I'm not going to presume to, but I just when I think about what he went through as well, and then, then he meets that cute person at the dance at the at the, the wedding at the end and they're on the dance floor together and there's some eye contact happening as they dance I'm like yeah Tony's gonna get a date out of this for sure um so you know you and and he's there to watch his his he's there to at, at the most pivotal scene to take Jess to be you know there's so much adrenaline he's taking her he he advocates for her with uncle he's like I can take her to the final like that is the best he's doing what he knows how to do 
which is, you know, big up his friend, pump her tires and literally take her to the match where she wins. Like, what a guy. And then he's like, he'll try to cover for her and pretend they're engaged so she can go off and live her dreams. Like, he's just, you know, and she comes clean then, but it's because of Tony that just gets the courage to do that. And he, like, he's like, he's like the unwritten hero here. Yeah. 100%. He's he's awesome. He's, he's, He's got a, he's a strong contender for a later category. And I can't argue with it, with any of that. I, uh, Jess's Bob was my pick as well. Just like just being a constantly stressed parent, like just a bad time in general. Like it's, it's tough. Um, the one, this isn't worst time for the whole movie, but I just, the bus ride back from Germany or just the trip back from Germany nightmare zone, just a, just a fucking Thunderdome of terrible. Yeah. (laughs) The worst, absolute worst. And when you see Jules get off the bus, you know how tense that entire trip would have been. Zero words. Kira Knightley knows how to storm off. Something she does with her shoulders, like she really storms very well. Good Good stormer. Good storm. I also really just love like quick tangent where she's taken her career because she has this, then she has pirates the same year. It's like, is she going to be blockbuster, you know, run and chase that and like i'm sure she got paid handsomely for that entire disaster of a franchise besides the first movie and uh but she takes like really she 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 does pride and prejudice like she does jane austen thing she does atonement which is just just saying it just makes me deeply sad uh but she she takes like really interesting like she really she really wants to act and i, I really like that like i really like that she she's gotten she she's picked really good roles and really good movies uh, she's great in the imitation game so um i, I just yeah. wanted to give her a due in that regard i really enjoy Keira knightley she's she's a fantastic actress in fact that adaptation of pride and prejudice is like my second favorite movie after this one of all time so i'm a i'm a big fan of hers and ironically this conversation comes up a lot in racialized communities about the disparity in the trajectory between Parminder Nagra's career and Kara Knightley's. And like the Juggernaut, which is a South Asian based online paper, wrote a whole feature on this about why. And, it, you know, there's people that have written. I wrote about this academically in grad school. I wrote about this movie. And there's a lot of papers out there that actually cite this and talk about this case. Look at the difference between the two, because both of their performances were stellar there's no question and and this was Kira Knightley's first acting role ever she knew she was 17 years old and she nailed it but so did Perminder Nagra and mm-hmm. like yeah, she was excellent so completely yeah so there's a lot of discussion about that you know happening at the same time so when you talk about the movie and talk about where they are now it's important to sort of frame it that way too that there's those ongoing discussions definitely yeah 100 percent. let's take a quick ad break and then we're going to get back with what worked about this one We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we're back. So we've we've talked a lot about why this is important um, and, and things like that. Shireen, what just off the top, what what worked? Why is this? Why was this such a success as a movie? Well, Haley used this word before, like earlier in the conversation, and authenticity. Uh, the depictions of the aunties walking in the park with their, you know, their silver camis on, and then their joggers, like their sneakers. They call them joggers. Like walking the way that the quips were working in the family and in the jokes they're real quips those are things the wit the writing the writing was impeccable here because like you know kyle as you said like they just the pace and everything the writing is everything the acting is super but if you don't have good lines to work with then i mean you would you know so for me it was just the way that the the, the plots kept moving because when you think about how many topics they talked about and all the gears they were all moving at the same time to sort of bring you this beautiful uh, you know movement and this beautiful piece this time piece that kept moving and I I think for me the writing like there's still lines that I cannot stop laughing at like you know there's a cousin that wears short short skirt mom she's a fashion designer she's divorced that's what she is like I mean those lines kill me because it also exposes the biases within you know mrs bamra's thinking and that she has and you know gurinderji was fairly unapologetic about putting them but she put them in a way and this is what i loved about it that and why it worked is that she didn't exotify or stereotype in a harmful way which could also have easily happened here if you think about the ways in which the family immigrant family they're eating off the corral they're doing these things they have to do this it could have been misinterpreted but what grinderji did was she also showed a family that wasn't indian going through a similar struggle which is where it wins here it's if this movie was solely about the bombers i don't think it would have had hit the way it did but because her overall point was like look at the sexism in women's sport here's a white family and here's a brown family and look at what both girls are going through that nailed it for me in addition to the writing it was the way that she moved those two characters on their journeys that were parallel so i that's one of the things that makes it unbeatable she wraps so many things into what is essentially a very fun teen sports movie that when you look at other things that fit that category, you don't usually get the kind of depth mm-hmm. in all of the areas that she went into. Something you were mentioning earlier was Tony. The other thing about this movie is, despite the fact that one of the arcs of it um, in the second half is that these two women are not in a lesbian relationship, <laughs> this is very much a gay movie. Yeah. I can tell you that 1,000%. Yeah, yeah, so shout out to Tony. But even if he, even if that was not his revelation in it, like this would still very much be a gay movie. And uh, it, the fact that she just fit in all of these different things under the roof of this extremely fun, lighthearted movie where you're laughing at the dialogue, but it also doesn't feel like it goes too far in either direction. Like you're saying, Shireen, like it's 
authentic, but it's also not putting stereotypes because other viewers, viewers like 10 year old Haley O'Shaughnessy are going to watch it as well. It was very masterful. It was wonderful. And I, uh, I'm trying to come up with another movie that does that in something that is essentially like a fun movie. Also, the other thing is that the fanfic for this, the gay fanfic for this is off the charts. So much gay go, Like if yes. you, like it's, <laughs> I have soccer writer friends that are just, there's the whole, like the Tumblr world for this is a different universe. And it is so, this movie is beloved. It is beloved, not just for the coming out scene, but just for the way, the possibilities. And, you know, uh, in a sequel is not off the table. It's absolutely not off the table. I beg to be in it. But <laughs> like we already have the title. Move it like me. <laughs> right. Perfect. So it's I mean, we've got this new generation of, well, of move women it like soccer Megan. stars to name this after. Move it yeah. like, you know, like push it like Pino. Like, you know, what would we could there's so many we could say. But mm-hmm. but could turn into a Netflix series where each episode is a different uh a, a different like punny. Dare name. to yeah. like done. I could go on I could go on <laughs> all day about like, you know, kill it like Christine Sinclair. Oh man, I could do this all day. Do Rose Lavelle. Love it like Rose Lavelle. No. <laughs> um R. I do off Rose Lavelle. Roast it like Rose. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. What Haley was saying about how masterful it is on like where it's just kind of like under the surface of this poppy soccer movie. Like I, I talk a lot about um, with some movies like, hey, there was a good foundation here. Like if it's a house, like I use this analogy, there was a good foundation here, but like they didn't finish out the floors or they didn't, um, you know, one of the bedrooms is, is messed up. And some movies it's like they built a foundation and then everything else is dog shit. Like this was a great foundation and frame and on its own could have just been a good movie like it, but they filled it out beautifully. Like this house has a great kitchen and nice back patio situation, like it, like cemented grill. Like it looks great. Like the whole thing, like they, they took care with every single bit of this movie. And like I said, it's sub two hours and they pack so much in it and they let so many different characters share the ball. We know a lot about like, 10 characters in this movie, which in a sub two hour movie is really, really hard to do Mm -hmm. really, really hard to do effectively. I go back to a league of their own, which does that really, really well. And that like, Hey, we know a lot about this team and not just that they're baseball players. Like we know about, you know, their, their fears, their life before this, whatever. And this movie does that in spades and possibly better. We get a very deep understanding of a lot of our characters. That is insanely difficult to do insanely difficult to pull off and not be wordy. Like it's all it, it just happens so naturally in conversation over the course of the movie. It's, it's never forced. There's rarely scenes where it feels like, Hey, this is just exposition or character detailing for the, for the sake of it. It's like a throwaway, like everything, everything advances the plot. Like you've learned a lot about Jess's father in, in scenes that are, you know, Joe comes to the house. It's not though. It's it in, if it was done worse, it would be a situation where like he takes Jess aside and he explains the, the discrimination he he faced when he wanted to play cricket, you know, when he immigrated to England. And instead it's a scene of Joe is trying to get Jess to come play. Like he's trying to, he's trying to make a move to get her, the, you know, her parents to accept, you know, to accept this. And, you know, and then Jess's dad brings that backstory into it. Like it's, it's all stuff like that that just weaves together. So perfectly like it is really a stunning display, honestly, like in, in, in that tightly packed movie. So that's, that's where it works for me. And just on a complete service level and like, 
Haley, you, know, you guys are the expert. Here. The soccer looks awesome. Like it's a really, really good display of of on screen soccer because that's that's where a lot of sports movies can fall flat is that they fuck up the sports. And this one, it seems to get it pretty well. Well, I mean, I think one of the things is because I've played soccer for forty years, so my whole thing was they're shooting inside the six yard box, and you know, I'm a striker. I know that they're not shooting from out. Like you can see it. I forgave this movie for the shortcomings. There's a lot, but there were a lot of trainings that were done with professional trainers. And Gridruji had told me that at the end of the training, Kira was so determined she was performing them better than some semi-pro players, which when we know the work ethic of these particular actors doesn't surprise anybody. But I think that... Damn, put that on IMDb. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, again, the transcript to the <laughs> to the podcast, I'd be like, you want trivia? Like, I should just go and put down every point she told me. I know. You should just take take the editing pen and just carve just, up yeah. IMDb. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but, like, I think that's what it is. And I had somebody, uh, Claire Hanna is a dear friend of mine. She's a sports reporter in Toronto, and she played on the national volleyball team. Um, she's, uh, she's based in Ottawa, sorry. And... She is somebody who actually, you know, that movie with Helen Hunt with the volleyball movie. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's about I, I a tragedy. It's like a, yeah, it's yeah, like tragedy a, and you know the damn Helen Hunt. All her movies are they're all tragedy. tragic. Um, yeah, some, either yeah. someone's died. Some yeah. So someone's died. So Claire was actually the person who advised technically, and what happens is the process for films and technical uh, sort of direction with sports moves is that they'll give it to them and like literally show them. But the director has a last say because of the camera angle may not work. So the director vetoes everybody. So there's probably certain things that online or on set uh, consultants, I guess you could say, were advising and it didn't work because when Jess scores in the last scene, she is almost inside. And there's another one where she crosses to Jess who's, uh, sorry to Jules, who's like literally inside the net. Like you can, mm-hmm. you could argue it's a finish from inside the box, but like, are you gonna like really? Do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to be. It's the only critique I let have. The girl, no, I think let the were, girls they, play. I'll allow it. You, <laughs> like, the, it's it's not bad. Like it's not bad. It's there. You see some movies where um, it just is ridiculous, and I think the the nature of soccer. They could have made it that way. You see that in a lot of soccer movies where crosses like hang in the air so long and then where they land doesn't quite match up with where the camera was at, which sounds like I'm being technical. But in the moment of watching it, you're like, is this Airbud? This one did not do that, I think, because they made a good choice of showing very limited spaces. Mm-hmm. So you don't see the whole cross court yeah. um, or cross field. Sorry. Uh, which is a mistake you you know in basketball and stuff when you're making a suspenseful moment and there's a pass or there's a shot that hangs in the air forever it can start to be like is that really how it would have fallen you know your mind just automatically goes to that place like you said every sports movie that I've ever looked into even a little bit has like a coach on set a consultant on set um who is has experience in the sport and will place the people and kind of place what should happen here, I am glad they had that. I almost feel like they took away the need for it to be so analyzed with what they decided to show. For example, like the warm-ups, um, the, they did a lot of penalties. So just that inherently means that the play has stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know if that was on purpose, but the decision-making was wise because the soccer could not be 
that bad because of simply the way they it was already a stopped play yeah. it, the, the way they set it up like it, it couldn't go that poorly or look that bad does that make sense no yeah ted lasso does a lot of that too the quick cuts um mm-hmm. close-ups on face then close-up on feet where you, you can get an extra in and things like that but there was nothing that like i always come back to trouble with the curve where it just did as bad a job with sports as any movie ever has and like there's there's <laughs> stuff in that movie that will just just take you right out of it um there's still, I mean, we, we could probably go on for hours about what worked about this one. Like I will say when, when Jules's dad tries to teach the rules of soccer with the spices <laughs> and condiments, like I felt that I felt that in a deep play. That, that was probably the daddest move of, of the movie. You're just grabbing so the salt funny pepper too. Shaker. Like It's really funny. Everyone has done that with offsides as well. And I remember before that movie, before watching that movie, there had been condiment conversations where like, that's literally how offsides was shown, but then playing off that movie, I remember continuing to use that. Not, not myself doing it prior. That honestly might be how it was explained to me initially after my first practice. I don't know, but I remember looking at that and thinking like, that is how it is shown. You know, you're at a bar and it's like, you're watching the game and with basketball, you know, you don't really need to do things like that. But with soccer, there's always going to be the conversation with somebody who's just picking up the game or as a casual observer, maybe isn't quite familiar. This is offsides. They have to know it. That's like the one that you have to know. And it's also the one that's a little bit hard to visualize, but it's so much easier. It's It just clicks when you have that in front of you. So the fact that they did that was not only real, that that's something that needs to be explained in this way, visually, you can't just say it and picture it in your head. Or you could, but I don't think so. But it's also authentic, and that's the way that it is shown. Like, my entire life, again, like I saw it first when I was 10, but my leading up to that, having my mom played uh, college soccer at Louisville, go Cards. My dad played soccer, um, coached soccer. Like, we all played. My um, my grandpa played um, in Hungary. So it was a lot of soccer for us, and – I liked being able to identify the certain things in it, even though, like you said, like it was not intended necessarily for Americans in that way, in the same way, like they chose Beckham and not Mia Hamm. And that kind of like reflects that. But I just thought the Kahneman thing was awesome in the moment. I can remember thinking that, but still to this day upon the rewatch last night, I was like, this is great. Cause that is literally how it's done. Right. Shereen? I mean, I, I learned offside just by like, by playing because like i said i've been playing for my whole life and for me i remember being explained with cones so it wasn't condiments it was on the pitch but my coach but but you sort of it was by proxy almost like you learned it because you played it but this scene was pivotal for like you're saying the people that don't get it like i think that's how it was explained to my mom but we was like jet me instead of sea salt or french mustard like but yes, yeah exactly and it's it's a scene that has carried like i've seen t-shirts that say offside is when the, the sea salt is ahead of the French mustard like that I've seen t-shirts like that and that's the other thing I know we're moving on but what worked there's so many lines in this film that can be on t-shirts yeah well it's it's a sign of when a movie is is truly successful and not just like fight commercially successful it's when stuff like that endures in the culture 20 years later like we talked yeah. about major league on the on the pod last week and like stuff like that is set in baseball dugouts you know, it has been for the last 30 years and like stuff like that when this movie has things that are ingrained in soccer culture and are quotes that people will still say 20 years later like that's when a movie truly succeeds i the opposite of success Shereen, is there a strikeout in this one is there something that that doesn't doesn't work at all 
I actually have two, but I'm curious your thoughts. I have one. As the I just have one. Um, I kind of reached for the technical stuff, like really reached there to say, uh, to sort of, because I mean, I could just sit here and be like, yes, yes, as to everything. Everything's perfect. But the only thing I was going to say was when Jess and Joe, and this is a spoiler. So if you haven't seen the movie, you should have already. I think you're going to say, I literally think you're going to say the the one that I have. Yeah. When Jess and Joe are kissing in the airport. How, that's, how that's did mine. her parents not, I, I get Bex and Posh are walking, but that was a pretty long nose nuzzle. It wasn't a quick kiss. And if she's so concerned about telling her parents later and at Christmas, why are you kissing this man in the airport lounge? Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. as like as a South Asian woman, that shit who had to hide a white boyfriend, that shit would not have happened, especially if you don't want your parents to know so that's when I was sort of like and this is the one thing I actually didn't ask Rinderji because like again the audiences was were global and they were hoping that it would be for all audiences and maybe that was believable to other people but someone from that community I'm like nah fam no no I'm telling you it was not I remember that uh, again like the condiment thing from the first time I watched it to this time it always stands out and I'm like why do they do this she again is talking about maybe we can slowly uh work this into the conversation with my dad but right now he's gonna be freaked out yeah the fact and it's not that i don't even think it's that they thought it was a safe opportunity because beckham's walking by i don't think that those are like actually correlated because again it's they linger it's not like a quick like oh let's sneak it in it's a nuzzle it's a nuzzle yeah. And also, I refuse to believe that even if her and Jules have made up, you're doing that in front of your yeah. girl. I'm that's sorry. We shocked, know it's sensitive. That's where it shocked yeah. me. Yeah. Both sides of it. I was like, his par- her parents obviously like are are going out of their comfort zone and letting her go to college in the States to pursue something that is pretty new um, to them as being her dream. She's not going to do this to them. And then B, because she is like actually super respectful, you know, but dealing with like having to pursue this dream as well. And then, yeah, you're just, I'm sorry, you're not doing that in front of your girlfriend when you know it's a sensitive subject. You're going to talk to her first. Like, this is not how your first kiss with him is going to happen. So I'm so glad Haley's riled up about this because I was, I was like, this is something I've thought to myself for a very long time and actually had the opportunity and I didn't ask this question and now it's bothering me. Why didn't? Why did I not say that was weird? Why did you? That'll do that? be for when you're when you're uh, producing the documentary. <laughs> yeah. You can yeah. you can ask her that one. So I have to ask you too the the just the the Joe the romantic subplot in general when he goes from coach to love interest. We're all cool with that because mm. that that made me uncon and it it's it's both ways too. It like that makes me un- uncomfortable. It was. The the lore, like the piece of trivia from A League of Their Own, that I seem to keep pulling back from, is that the studio wanted Tom Hanks and Gina Davis to like kiss or like something like that, and and the director they were like, and Penny Marshall was like, no, it's not happening, and that would have ruined the movie. This isn't like that. Obviously, like Jess and Jules are not are not married to a active serviceman, but it did it uh it like made it made it made me uncomfortable. Like I didn't like him. I didn't like blurring those lines. In, in yeah, that. it's weird. I mean, he, even I thought when when you wrote down what didn't work, I wrote down the kiss. But I think I meant I meant that 
but when you look back at it and you watch it now in 2022, you're like, why is their coach going to the club with them? It's not a professional team. It's a, seems like a, a, an established, uh, rec league, like, you know, something that is like a, I would say semi-professional. Long on the ladder. Would, it's a yeah. semi-professional. Okay, semi-professional. Yeah. Still, like, he's obviously employed. It's not just like, hey, our friend Joe is going to do this out of the kindness of his heart. Um, I didn't love that. Yeah. But I get it because that is very much in line with, like, all movies then. Really had to take, like, what, what the fuck, what, Tangled? The one with the sisters? But for movies to be like i guess we don't need the heterosexual love interest after all but you throw it into literally every other movie before that so tangled it. or or, or frozen it. is it frozen it's frozen, frozen. 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 Like, okay tangled. yeah the one with the sisters what i don't know okay no that's, that's a Haley doesn't have kids okay that. so <laughs> i mean mine are like in their 20s i don't know how i know yeah. about it but um but yeah, I I agree with with that being weird now, especially we're coming out of a year where all the shit that happened with Portland Thorns and Paul Riley and like mm. you know the the case that was uncovered by the Athletic Meg um, Linehan there. So like you know yes, it's we're watching with a like sort of a sense of understanding of problematic relationships and power dynamics here. That's what that's what's happening. And the vulnerability of athletes. We see that too. So it is icky for sure. I remember watching, I've seen this movie. I don't, I honestly, I think on and off 700 times, probably like clips included, like, you know what I'm saying? But the first time I saw it, it didn't hit that way, but it does hit that way now because of what we know and what we know in the sport. And it's not something that necessarily Grindergy could have foreseen because there weren't sports teams and systems and development systems the way there are now. But because there was so little soccer that you wouldn't have Mm -hmm. women's soccer in particular. So that's the thing, but I agree with both of you. I think if it would be redone now, it could be maybe like somebody who worked at the club who wasn't a coach or was an admin person or a friend or a trainer, maybe uh, even, yeah. you know, like, yeah, they still work for the power dynamics. Yeah. But someone who wasn't associated with the coaching staff for sure, mm-hmm. who was, who was not that, you know, like somebody who was, you know, I don't know, like, a, I don't know, like a, a sibling of a kid playing on a youth team or so. I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I, I get what you're saying. It, I do think, though, it just doesn't – it's not one of those things for me that I'm like, oh, I love rewatching this movie, except doesn't even hit like that for me because – It doesn't kill it. They made – yeah, it, it really doesn't even dent it for me because they pulled off so many things. When Again, you look at the year 2002, mm-hmm. and this movie got made. I'm like, yeah, throw the straight love interest in there, whatever, like, fine. She can want to and fuck her coach. Frankly, I, I wrote it. I wrote it down as a strikeout. But when at the end, when he's playing cricket with her dad, I'm like, oh, look at that. It's cute. Like I still, I still, I still pretty like cute. It. Yeah. The, <laughs> the only other thing I had, this isn't something that doesn't work in the movie per se. Like it needs to happen for the plot and with Jules's mom. But like, what the fuck was Jules thinking? Just walking up to Jess right before the getaway, just like inserting herself in into that into that commotion. Just like wait, just. They're gonna, yeah, they're, hated it. Her sister's getting married. Yeah, Don't just, go run up there now. Yeah, just, but yes, just just wait. Point. Just wait. Um, is there anything? That, is there anything else that you guys want to point out that just that didn't work or didn't? I 
I wanted to talk about uh, Joe's doctor, who I hope like <laughs> should have been like should have I, I don't disbarred isn't the term, but like sued for malpractice. <laughs> what it looked like a, a toddler carved up his knee. I, I had an I had an ACL reconstruction, a complete reconstruction. I tore my ACL in playing soccer, but six or seven years ago, my scar is this big. And mind you that I had my surgery seven or eight years ago and Joe had his arguably 25 years ago or whoever else, you know, however long ago, but it's pretty bad. It's bad. So, and the understanding is that it was multiple surgeries, not just one. That's probably why it looks like that. I'm not defending the gnarly scar, the fictional orthopedic surgeon. I'm just saying that that's because my dad had one done in the 80s and his scar isn't too far off from Joe's. I have to ask y'all to God bless science. (laughs) (laughs) We have that early scene where the girls are just fawning over the fucking idiots playing a pickup soccer game. And I, I was just kind of like putting it in like. Would would women in America like would would they be like watching like a bunch of like doofuses playing pickup basketball and be like oh they are just the the most good looking group of men it just it stood it stood out to me as like they're just watching like idiots idiots like <sighs> unfortunately Kyle that it works yeah that is what happens <laughs> yeah yeah I think that it happens on smaller scales that happens in with women watching the NFL I think it happens all the time. Um, yeah, yeah, many levels for different reasons. It's the secret. Unfortunately, Just like that, big, that was big ripped idiot. Uh, did y'all realistic. have anything else that stood out? Didn't didn't work about this one, or just something of note? I so I have the. I'm gonna save it for best quote, but I almost put the Irish line in here, um, just because it's so funny as a concept. But I actually think that it deserves to go in best quote because it is authentic. Actually, that he would think to say that. I do think a character like his would think to say that. Look, Jess, I saw it. She fouled you. She tugged your shirt. You just overreacted, that's all. That's not all. She called me a packy, but I guess you wouldn't understand what that feels like, would you? Jess, I'm Irish. Of course I'd understand what that feels like. For sure. Shireen, I'm assuming there's not much that doesn't work about this one. No, I, I've got nothing. I mean, I tried to be critical with the, the technical stuff, but I was like, no, you know how I feel about this film. Yeah. Everything else is like timely stuff. Like the, the arts fashion in the club is, oh, I mean, love, was... <laughs> literally love <laughs> her. Jules's little like top that like has no back. I literally looked for it online last night. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the Mel C, the Mel, uh, C music. I turn to you. That one in the <laughs> yeah. club, like in the club in Germany, like all that dance music. Yeah. The music in incredible. general in this one bangs. Yeah. Cause it's a, it's a mix of, and correct. Uh, Bronga. Bangra. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That and like pop songs and it, it all, it all slaps. It's a, like it's all it's, and I loved the volume of the music in the transitions. Like, well, that, that actually follows my favorite quote of the movie. Um, just like the super loud, like music transition. And I just thought the style was really fun too. Yeah. That's a technique used in film in from Bollywood movies is to have the overlay done really loudly. So Grindrji's taken practices from Bollywood and applied them here, but in a, in a very fresh way, even though it's 20 years mm-hmm. ago, it's still a fresh way, which I think is extremely effective because, you know, and this goes into not best quote, but 
the scene that we can I, roll into best quote. It well, seems I like mean, we're, we're dancing around it. Like best quote for me isn't connected to music, but best scene, I guess you don't have a best scene. Um, uh, but the best scene for me is actually the song is called Darshan. And it was, it's a very, there's some songs that are played on this that are timeless. You know, like when you go to a wedding and someone plays sexual healing, it doesn't matter that the song is like 40 years old. Everybody gets down. Mm. So Darshan is it's not like a sexual healing type of song. <laughs> it's a different kind of dance, but it's it's like a, it's a vibe and it's like a, it's a hype song. So if I still hear that at a like a dance, I, like a, a wedding now, I'll start dancing. So will everybody else. It's one of those timeless things. It, that's the song that's playing when Jess is in the car changing into her kit. And that people who understand that song and that's where it was placed because she's also flipping from scenes from the dance floor, from the wedding to the car. It's hype. It's so hype. And that's what's happening. And you're just handing her shoes to Tony and just unwrapping her sari. It's also really, it's incredible. And the, 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 the sari being unwrapped is like unraveling the layers of, 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 of weight that she has to not be who she is like that. You know, it, it's so profound, and that song being there is like for anything. But the best quote for me was, and and it's I feel so bad because the only thing that has tarnished since then is my favorite quote. Quote was when Paula Paxton says, you know, because when they leave the wedding and Jules is really annoyed with her mother, and she's like, you know, so what if I was a lesbian? There's nothing wrong with that. And she's like, oh. I was cheering for Matina never to love as much as the next person. Being a lesbian, it's not that big a deal. Oh, no. We are. Of course it isn't. No. No. I mean, I've got nothing against it. I was cheering for Martina Navratilova all over as much as the next person. <laughs> and that was, for the longest time, my favorite quote until I found out recently, not recently, last couple of years, that Martina Navratilova has been absolutely anti-transphobic in, in her work. And it had it killed this for me mm. because she was an icon for so long for me and for so many other people. And yeah. that hurt. So when I hear that, it's bittersweet, but bitter more than sweet. Um, but that for the longest time was my best quote in the movie. And other than that, it would, it would be, <laughs> now it would be Mrs. Bob Rose saying she's divorced. That's what she is. It would just, that was also mine. Just, that is what I wrote down. <laughs> that really? And yeah. it makes Haley. me laugh in a different way. Cause I am divorced and from that community. <laughs> so it makes me laugh even more now because of the, the, the stigma behind it. Right. It's hilarious to me. It made me cackle. Haley, what was yours? Um, so there's two. The first is right before Jess and Jules go, or sorry, Jess and Pinky go shopping, her sister, and they're going to get some last minute wedding stuff. And this is before the wedding is put off. Um, and the mom says that she's making, I believe, a tart, and they both go in unison. Oh, mom, don't do pickle as well. And then the mu- music hits super loud and they walk out. So she's so she's good. actually making a char, a c h a r, which is mango pickle or carrot pickle. Okay, that makes way more yeah, sense. That's, then. Yes. that's what it is. That it's it's called a char. It's it's delicious. It's like it's like a type of uh, how do I explain? It? It's like a salad, almost like an antipasto type of thing. That's very spiced and made with mango or lemon. It's 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 like pickled. 
Yeah, I absolutely need to try that because I love everything pickled. Um, I would like yeah, a tasting menu one. of everything that's mentioned. Oh, One hundred percent. Yeah. This was this Including was a sneaky cake. great food movie. Okay, yeah, I never thought of that. The other one that we have been laughing about from the start is when Jess is pushed in the game and is discriminated against, and it was a very tense moment. Um, and you can tell, like deeply legitimately affected her and then um coach joe comes in and she's like you don't understand and then explains what happened and coach joe says jess of course i get it i'm irish (laughs) oh it's so good it's it's just so good yeah better better with every rewatch it's a great That, that one got me um picking a best scene was difficult because like i said this movie is it's not long, but they compress a lot. There are a lot of great moments. Like I find myself anytime Joe and Jess are talking and there's no sexual tension around it. Like it's like, uh, they're talking about scars. Like I thought that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked a lot of the games, uh, you know, like the game in Germany, I thought was a lot of fun. The match where Jess gets the red card that, that Haley was just referring to the final match, like the, in the, the super cut between, the the match and the wedding going on and stuff like that like that was just that was a really exciting scene like that was just really really fast paced Shereen can you point to one scene in this movie that rises above all um I love the one in the car of just uh for personal reasons like I used to do that not like running away from a wedding but just I used to like transition out of different identities I used to be going to family or community events and going into a kit and I remember once my mother had baby wipes in the car because she's like you're nasty we have to be at this dinner it's a community dinner and you have to be there and I'm like I have a game to like eight and she's like well wipe off and it was gross she's like use baby wipes and try to manage so like I'm getting into clothes and out of them in the backseat of a car as either my brother or somebody drives like so that kind of scene for me was huge just one scene that I don't think I've ever said oh I think I did tell Grindergy this the scene that I always cry is after Jess is no longer allowed to play. She's cleaning her boots in the back and she's crying. I, I cry every single time. And it's also because the editing and the sound. It's the music and the, what they're saying in the lyrics. They're talking about, she's talking about being away from her homeland. Like that's a literal translation of what the lyrics are. So it's talking about not being able to be who you are, being away from what you love essentially as a, as opposed to a place. So that is one of my favorite scenes because I cry every time because Praminder Nagra acted this with such finesse and she, you can feel her heart completely broken when she's cleaning her boots. And then my second thought, cause I saw it and I was still, I mean, I was playing, of course I had, I just had my daughter and I was like, shit, I need to clean my boots more because I don't, clean them enough but she was dedicated to that and she's cleaning them and she loves them and you see her tears just fall and that for me is a killer it's just i'm done every time i see that scene Haley, is there a scene for you that stands out like that um well a little bit of like parallels i guess i love the scene where after the tournament she's getting ready to go back into the wedding and so she's spinning and all of her teammates are helping her and you just feel this kind of like relief because she's done the thing her dad permitted her to do the thing you know like you said her friend was involved who we all love so much tony and she did well and so you're getting all this joy from her teammates and it's just a cute moment 
in general. And then you get the knock on the door and it's the scout coming to talk to them. So the whole thing was, is just really sweet to me. And it's a really gratifying moment in the movie as a viewer, because you feel so happy for her and you're like, the worst is surely passed. Mm -hmm. This is good. Yeah. I'm I'm going to point to the really, the, the conversation between Jess and Joe, when Joe kind of talks her out of giving up soccer there, but it's, it's them two discussing parental relationship, Joe's relationship with his dad and things like that. Again, the conversations where there's no sexual tension in it are actually like legitimately great. Really enjoy it. Um, I also just love like they're they're next to a pub, like drinking a beer at a pub next to a soccer pitch seems like a, a great time. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm like a, a big proponent of beers are better at a pub than they are at a bar. It's just if it's if it's a pub, the beer tastes like just that much better. Um, one hundred percent. Um, Lenny Harris pinch hitter award. We kind of talked about it. Tony seems like the the runaway winner. We haven't talked about Pinky much, but Tony's like Shireen had that great monologue earlier. Like Tony's just the best. <laughs> yeah, for me, for me, uh, Pinky's great, but in but overall character of the show and the way it was acted. Like I love Pinky. I think she nailed her. Um, I think Archie Punjabi really, really, really nailed this character and her frivolity and how she was so narcissistic. But Tony, Tony is my, my sentimental favorite for sure. He's like the Samwise Gamgee of this movie really is the unsaid hero here. That is, I mean, that, that nails it. Yeah, that's exactly, he's, he's wonderful. He's a joy the entire time he's on camera, like threatens to fight some guys in, in Jess's <laughs> honor. Like he just, you love to see it. In the team's honor, it, they were sexualizing other people and he was like, can't you just take them seriously, footballers? Yeah, he's great. He's mine too, although I love Pinky. Stand up, too. stand up guy. Um, the big chill, so that's the moment that like gives you the chills and it's Roy Hobbs knocking out the lights in the natural, that sort of thing. You get, for me, two nominees, although Shireen might have just talked me into when she's cleaning the boots off. That's kind of another emotional chill. Um, Mr. Brahma's speech at the at the end about, you know, about, you know, you know, wanting his daughter to be happy and that that like that's that's really good. Uh, the the bent free kick, too. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just a sucker for that. Like, I you know, it's coming. You absolutely know it's coming. And it's still it still hits. So I'll, I'll, I'm all ears for any other nominees, but that's it for me. I, I loved, I also loved, uh, Mr. Bomrez because part of this film was also showcasing how women actually uphold mothers can uphold toxic patriarchy where the dads are trying to advocate for their daughters and the moms are the ones blocking them because they think they're trying to prevent them from anything, but it's kind of the dads who are trying to, you know, it's okay with us. So that scene, he's like, I want, like, I cry. I I want her to yeah. fight and I want her to win. Not just I want her mm-hmm. to fight, but I want her to win. Oh, it gets me every time because it's like he knows his daughter can win. Right. Because that is so brave of her dad to say after what he's been through, particularly in a place that doesn't value racialized women. And he knows that he wasn't valued and he's a man. So forget about sports, you know. So it's just there's a lot there. Yeah. Ooh. I'm going to get all emotional. 100%. <laughs> And those English cricket players threw me out of their club like a dog. I never complained. On the contrary, I vowed that I will never play again. Who suffered? Me. But I don't want Jessie to suffer. I don't want her to make the same mistakes that her father made of accepting life, accepting situations. 
I want her to fight. And I want her to win. Because I've seen her playing, she's, she's brilliant. I don't think anybody has that right to stop. Yeah, I, the, I want her to win is such a, uh, you know, you've got the tear brimming in your eye scene. I also love before she gets the red card, I love seeing her, seeing him see her do well in that game. That was great because he's so proud. He sees people clapping and he's like so proud. Yeah. So I love that moment as well. Yeah. Uh, last category before more restore prequel, sequel, remake. Shereen, I feel like you are driving the sequel train harder than, than anyone in the world now, perhaps. Do you, the thing I'll ask, like, do you think revisiting this universe is in the cards? Like I, all I would say is I just want to revisit the world of women's soccer in, in, in cinema or, you know, in a, a like a Netflix series or something like that. There's a part of me that doesn't, I want this to remain untouched in, in pure because it's a very pure, wholesome film. And one of the things I love about it is I've watched it with my daughter. I used to, when we went on trips for her soccer team, we would watch this or her basketball team. You can watch, show this to like literally any age category and it's fine. Um, even though there's, there's depth. Like it's, it's a profound film in a way, like things that they touch on, but in a non-stifling polarizing way which is, I think, the beauty of it. But I do, people really want to know. My thing is, Gurindruji would have a lot of high expectations. And I think it wouldn't work without a lot of the original cast, who, who from what I understand, would be fine, would be fine with it. But I, I, I also hesitate. Like, of course, I want this to go on. I would love a story. I've been asked a couple times for people... Um, to they've asked me if we could see just now where would she be and i was like jess and jules essentially go back and help rebuild and build the manchester united women's side which really got into play five years ago so that's why i was and jess ends up in a gay relationship and she's happily married to someone who plays netball in england this is like i've thought this all out and um uh her mom's fine They've adopted babies. They're fine. Her mother's happy as a grandma. Uh, but Mrs. Bamra, uh, Joe and uh, Jess don't last. But what Jess ends up doing is because her parents are really big on school, she ends up going to an Ivy League and getting an MBA in sports management. So that's how she goes in to manage, to become not the coach of the team, the manager. As they say in the UK, she becomes like essentially an administrator. And she marries a French soccer player. And they have a daughter who they name Mia. Yes. Wow. Yes. That I, have, is... I have thought all of this out. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to cut this? I'm afraid someone's going to steal that. <laughs> like, that's, if that's where we were, this is how I see all of this. Yes. Now. I I can't top that. That's uh, that's a, a great place to end it. Haley, Shireen, thank you so much for joining me, breaking down this movie. Uh, Shireen, where can the folks follow you? Um, I am on Twitter at underscore Shereen M at underscore um, on Instagram at footy bedsheets uh, reference to soccer playing. Actually, it's not as salacious or sassy. It's not that. It's literally me as a soccer player, my identity. And um, yeah, so I'm there. A lot of pictures of my cat, my kids, but yeah. And then there's sports stuff in there, but I'm at those two places. And www.shereenahmed.com is my website. Haley, where can the folks follow you? At Haley O something. And listen to Spencer's, a basketball podcast.
And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review if you're an Apple podcast or Spotify if you're a baseball fan. Check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm that is presented by Baseball America. Comes at you every other Tuesday. As for Big Screen Sports, we'll catch you next Monday. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.